0: This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, with a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. It's Natterdays. They're going to run and get that boot. The Arkansas Razorbacks have completed a
1: dream season. A baseball team, That's on the way back, a college World Series title, the bomb stadium. I almost got fired because I went Willie the boss after I had a little
0: too much sauce. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast.
2: No shows on Monday. Yes, we actually do get some days off here on the radio show. We actually do take some days off from sports, which is funny because we can get Memorial Day off time, but we will not get Labor Day off. There's quite a difference there. Because Labor Day, where when is Labor Day? Around what, what season? I seem to recall you getting Labor Day off last year, bud. I asked for Labor Day off and I got it. You just say you don't get Labor Day off. I say we, the company, the people here, it's not like it's a dedicated day off just just you you're special i asked for it off and it was granted you can do that again and see if it happens for you i'm 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 not gonna
3: ask for it off that's first day after a football game
2: yep how many people are listening on labor day when they have the day off thousands thousands yes of course okay tommy (laughs) stuck on you tommy just throwing out numbers now when it comes to that but uh either way it's going to be a three-day weekend it's going to be a great weekend and it's going to be a great day today On the morning rushes, we have a lot of things to get into, of course. Arkansas baseball, unfortunately, loses the game yesterday against the Georgia Bulldogs. It was, uh, he did the post-game show, the Arkansas Baseball Tonight Show last night, me and Ty did. And uh, just kind of going through all the numbers and all the things that happened. It was, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, Arkansas loses to Georgia. Isaiah Campbell pitched really well. Gave you five scoreless innings, which is about, at least to me, as good as you could ask. Only gave up two hits. I mean, if you wanted a type of game from Isaiah Campbell to where you don't overextend his arm, but yet he still gives you some quality innings, that's exactly what you wanted. So uh, and even Isaiah Campbell felt like in uh, the postgame press conference, he said that he didn't feel like he pitched his best stuff. Well, it's like one of those things, where, hey, listen, man, I know you gotten some jams and whatnot, but for crying out loud, I mean, maybe you hold yourself to that highest standard. But either way, Arkansas loses the game 3-1 to to Georgia yesterday. Uh, it was a very... It wasn't a clean game once again, and in fact, Arkansas in the past two games in the SEC tournament, this is what's the staggering thing about it, folks. They're hitting 164. 164 in two games. Now, I know that Georgia has really good pitching staff, and I know that Ole Miss gave you a heck of a game from their pitching staff, but for crying out loud... That, that's the type of performances you're putting forward on the on the hitting. That's, that's not something you really want to see, especially when you're about to head into postseason play in the regional. Now, Arkansas will play Ole Miss today again. This will be the loser-go-home type of bracket because if Arkansas wins today against Ole Miss, then they will face Georgia once again and see elimination on Saturday. So that's how their path is set up. Uh, if Arkansas loses today, however, though, it's all over. They go home and they get ready for the regionals that will be happening in Fayetteville. And uh, also, Connor Nolan will be getting the nod today. So all of your starting pitchers are going to get their arms thrown. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of what you planned on doing, as long as you can get all those guys to not have any extended rest where they don't get out of any rhythm or anything like that. Uh, it works out for them. But, you know, I'm at the point, too, and I know that this it's such a weird thing to say. And every time I say it, or every time I at least allude to it, I get some people that are frustrated or upset with me in my mentions on social media. But I'm really at the point where it's like, hey, just lose today. Just lose today and go home and get ready. Get some good quality innings out of Connor Noland and lose. I am not saying, though, Let maybe make sure I clarify, I'm not saying that Dave Van Horn needs to walk in, (laughs) needs to walk into his team in the locker room and say, guys, Let's just lose today. Don't even try. Just make sure you go out there and lose. You don't have to lose too bad, but just make sure you lose. That's not what he's doing. And I hope that he would never do that. And I hope the team's mentality would never be that. I am coming from the perspective of just someone from the outside looking in. Someone that can say what everybody's thinking type of deal. Just lose. Because honestly, folks, beating Ole Miss today... What's that going to do? What What is that extra game against Georgia going to do for you on Saturday? I mean, seriously, what is it going to do for you? Who are you going to throw? Who's going to pitch? Well, say if you won that game, then you would be in the SEC title game. You would have played two extra games that you had to. And then even if you win or lose that game, whatever it is, then you have to come back for the regionals next weekend. So it's just a matter of, I mean, really, what what do you have to lose? You have to lose time. You have to lose arms. You have to. There's a lot of things that could go wrong, and there's a lot of things that you don't need to get out of that. But when I see when I see that, and when I see the situation Arkansas is in, I feel like that's that's the best thing, folks. It's it needs to happen. It needs to just be that. Just lose today. Go home. Get refocused, get back ready, get rested up, and get ready for the regionals. Because next weekend, there's no days off. There's no more second chances, even though I know you can lose and still get, you know, it's double elimination, but you get what I'm saying. It's where all the marvels come into play. So get everything you can and everybody you can rested up and ready and focused in on next weekend. Lose today. That's my thought. But we're going to talk about that a lot more later in the show. Also, some other topics that have happened. By the way, real quick, 99 days until college football season starts with the Razorbacks. We're in double digits now. It's no longer the triple digits. 99 days. We're getting that much closer. So I just want to remind everybody about that. We'll talk about that too. But uh, the big topic that's happening in the SEC is the SEC meetings are happening next week. In Sandestin at the Sandestin Resort Beach Resort, which how 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 come we're not going to that time? You know, Tommy always told us that we, you know wait we, we're gonna you know he wants to there media days. If Arkansas is gonna go to Omaha, he's gonna want us there. The bowl games. How come he didn't send us to Destin, Florida for the SEC meetings?
3: That's a great question. I remember Bo going back in the day. Yeah, that's the and there might be a. It's not as popular, obviously, as SEC media days. There's a a, a far less media members that travel down to it. But I would think the nightlife and the, uh, outside work that you'd get to couple alongside with the actual work would be a lot more fun than ending up in, yeah. in Hoover, Alabama. But well, think about more of the
2: one-on-one you'd be able to have with some coaches and some people in power and all that. And the fact that's in Destin, Florida, I think the reason we're not going is because, uh, Tommy spent the budget there going to the Turks Islands. That's is what I think. I think that that's where the, that's where the money went for, uh, for when uh, we were going to be going down to Destin so he he's finally heeded my advice
3: expensing
2: it yeah expensing it yeah well until the expense report comes out we don't really know what's the expense is going to be looking like uh, but the Destin uh, has always been the place for SEC meetings and again it's uh I don't I don't know some Arkansas media goes I think I think like Bob Holt goes maybe and maybe uh I think mean, I don't know I maybe maybe some television people go I don't know who all goes but either way that's happening next week And one of the hot topics of discussion is going to be alcohol in stadiums. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hey, we talk about this, it seems like every single year, and every single year the SEC is considering it or that they need to have it happen. Well, the difference is this year, folks, and this is according to Ross Dellinger, who does a great job in writing uh, for SI.com, he was saying that this is no longer just a topic of bringing it up and see where it goes. It's going to be discussed heavily at SEC meetings next week. So heavily that there could be a decision made after the meetings to sign into play alcohol being allowed in SEC stadiums. Because right now there's that archaic policy that they have where it's not allowed. You've had stadiums find loopholes, as you've even seen with Razorback Stadium, ways to get alcohol in the stadium but only be for particular seats or particular suites, particular people. If you're paying a lot of money, whatever it is, they've have found loopholes. But they're trying to make it to where everybody can enjoy it and everybody can have it. And you don't know, want to know why. They can say all day long they're there for the fans. They're there. You don't know, want to know why that they're even really considering this and why it's become so hot and heavy going into this year, is because attendance. And SEC football venues was down over 16% last year. Attended games were down 16% in the SEC. And it's not just an SEC problem, it's a college football problem. But the SEC, of course, is the gold standard. And the SEC is the ones that are going to have to make sure that they have it happen and get that alcohol into the stadiums to be able to get fans back in the seats. Will it solve all the problems as far as attendance goes? Probably not. But it'll at least make it to where you're trying. You're trying to keep people in their seats, in the stands, come to the games, because honestly, with the way and the option that they have of just sitting at home with their HDTV, with their own food and drinks, and not having to worry about parking or anything crazy like that, you're losing out to them. So you got to find ways to be innovative and creative
0: there. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast.
2: Brought to you by the
0: all-new Natural Light Natterdays. A light lager brewed with a phenomenal strawberry lemonade flavor that's perfect for bringing the fun to every occasion. The new Natural Light
2: Natterdays.
0: Touchdown Hogs! Holy Hog!
2: The SEC will be having their meetings in Destin, Florida next week. And one of the biggest, if not the biggest, topic that they have on their docket to discuss and try to work through about a possibility of is adjusting the rule where alcohol is not allowed at SEC venues. Now, this has been a rule that's been put in place pretty much forever. And the SEC, which is so crazy because the SEC, without a doubt, has always been the innovative conference that has been ahead of the curve in pretty much everything. When it comes to the other Power Five conferences, and not just in football, but in college athletics. If you think about the point they're at now, how much money they make, the the, the SEC network, the addition of Texas A and M and Missouri that have added into extra TV markets, you know, just the, the continuance of being interested in moving forward in all of their new policies and all of their new rules that they put together. They've always been looking. To improve themselves, even though they've always been great. Even though they've been ahead, even though they've been on top of the leaderboard, they always wanted to keep ahead of the pack. But for some reason, this rule that they put it in place is behind the times, honestly. Almost every other conference has allowed booze to be sold in their stadiums. The article written by again by Ross Dellinger of SI.com mentioned Tulane down in Louisiana, where since 19 19- In the 1970s, they've allowed alcohol to be sold in their stadiums and how great it's been. It's been like a tradition for them. And you've seen other teams and other conferences. Texas was a big example a few years ago where they started allowing alcohol to be sold in their stadium. And just to to clarify, they made, the University of Texas made $1.8 million on alcohol sales alone in one football season. And
3: it's not the... Only thing that boosts the game day atmosphere because there are many things you can critique when it comes to Arkansas. It bomb's a great game day atmosphere in terms of, or excuse me, in terms of Donald W. and Bud Walton Arena because of the certain things they do during breaks and stuff. It gets people less type. but let's be frank, that would increase. The crowd noise, that would increase the game day atmosphere if alcohol was mm-hmm. sold in Donald W. Reynolds Raceback Stadium. Yeah, and let me clarify
2: this, too, because some people, when I was out on social media giving my thoughts on this, some people said that, oh, you know, this is just going to make the games even more unwatchable because you're going to have just drunks falling over themselves and pouring their drinks all over everybody and just acting fools. Folks, if you don't think people are already drunk, drunken people acting fools in the stadium because they've been drinking all day. And before they go into the stadium, they really get lit because they want to make sure that the effects last extra long in the stadium to where they don't, they switch it up from beard and go to the hard stuff, sneak stuff in, they sneak stuff in. I mean, come on, let's just be real about it. And let's, let's be frank about it because adding, beer sales into any SEC stadium. I know we're talking about Razorback Stadium specifically, but in any SEC stadium, it's not going to turn it from being, you know, just this great and innocent atmosphere to Sodom and Gomorrah. Like it's not going to have that transition. It's not going to become that. So the fact of the matter is, is that you're seeing the money. It's the dollar signs that other schools are making on alcohol. And of course, the SEC is in the business of making money. They've always been in the business of making money. The schools, the members of the SEC, are in the business of making money. But as much of an impact that having alcohol sales could have on the wallets and on the bank books of these schools, there's another issue that comes into play. And that has to do with the fact that the SEC and college football, and even in the college football in general, has had a massive drop in attended games across the board year year after year, after year. And what's making that happen is the fact that you can go home and in your big old living room with your big old high-definition screen television, you can sit in your recliner with your drinks that are not overpriced, with your food that you cooked yourself that's better quality and not overpriced, with a bathroom that only belongs to you that's just a few steps away that you don't have to get up and walk towards and share with somebody else. And it's you don't have to leave your house. You don't have to take off. You don't even have to put on a shirt if you don't want to. You can just sit there and enjoy the game that way. And that's what college football is losing out to right there. So what do you do? Because honestly, let's I know, let's just be honest about it. You can't compete with that. If you're college football, you can't compete with that. How can you compete with that? How can you compete with having somebody sit in their comfortable recliner? How can you compete with somebody that has their own bathroom? How can you compete with somebody that's allowed to grill and have their own drinks and whatnot and enjoy their football experience nearly as much as they would if they were sitting there in the stands? I mean, how do you compete with that? You can't, But you can try. And what doing this by lifting this long-standing ban on alcohol sales, what this will do is at least give incentive to the fans. Because that would be something that they can compete against. Because you hey, they, you can get booze at home. You can't get booze at the stadiums, but you can get booze at home. You're able to add that in. You win twice. You can add more fans into the stands that'll stay longer for the games if they know that they're able to keep their buzz going there in the stadium by continuing to drink. And you also add more money into your pocket. Now it does come with risk. There comes with you know, some, some some security that you're gonna have. You're probably gonna have some people that are going to try to act fools. You're going to have to make sure that you're having people check IDs because, let's be honest, it's a college football game, and the kids that are in college, for the most part, are under the age of 21. So you're going to have to make sure you police the actual legal age of drinking there. So there are going to be some risks that go along with it, but I think it completely is outweighed by the rewards of it, and I really hope that the SEC ends up doing away with this rule and schools across the board say, you know what? Because, listen, alcohol is already in stadiums, folks. Like Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium, they sell alcohol. But they just sell alcohol to particular seats, to particular people who paid a particular amount of money. There's the loophole in the system that they've found, that many other schools have found. So it's not like it's also new. But to have it just to the common fan, to whoever wants to go up and get it, whoever wants to go out and drink it, Whoever has, has the amount of money and then is the legal age, they can sell it to them. That would be the difference. And to me, this is a no-brainer. you got to get rid of this
3: rule. Doug, on our Facebook Live page, asked the question, well, if this was to come into effect, what would be the official beer of the Razorbacks? Bud Light, PBR, Miller Light? Question mark. My, I think you and I have different opinions on that. But that being said, a lot of times the SEC has been out in front of things Concerning whatever nature of what's occurring amongst the other conferences. And sometimes it's okay to be behind the eight ball. Sometimes it's okay to kind of see what the other schools do, see how the conferences react to certain things. And when it comes to alcohol, you probably don't want to go into it head first and try to be the first one for that. I know that fans in the SEC and particularly in this great state of Arkansas would like alcohol to be sold to the stadium. But for Greg Sankey, Herb Vincent, and all those guys working down there in Hoover for the SEC, you want to just be careful about this because this is an impactful situation. This is an impactful decision, and you and I are both on the same side that we hope they do end up selling alcohol across the board in SEC stadiums because I think that would not hinder people from coming and attending. I think it would help people. Now, there's going to be certain families that decide to stay home with their kids because there's alcohol in the stadiums. But I don't think you'll see much that much of an impact compared to the people that would come in and stay and come and buy tickets to the games who would normally not based on the fact that you can't buy alcohol there. So that being said, you hope at the SEC meetings in Destin that the SEC ultimately decides to go with this decision because I think it'd be good for the conference, I think it'd be good for ticket sales, and I think it'd be good for the SEC. I think it'd be good for everybody involved. I mean,
2: it's because... Especially beer vendors. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's just... you. I feel like so much, in college football especially, it's a lost art to remember just the common fan and to just try to do things in your or venues or in your game
3: or whatnot to appease the common fan. That's hard, too, sometimes when you have millions watching on TV and only depending on what stadium, like Reynolds, Razorback, max capacity, 76,000. So they have to couple that, not only professional leagues, but college leagues as
2: well. Yeah, and I understand it's tough. But my thing is, is that it's almost, in in some cases, just they give up on it to say, you know what, who cares? The common fan's going to be there no matter what. So we should not appeal to them. We need to appeal to the suites. We need to appeal to the box seats. We need to appeal to those because those are the money makers, And so we'll do whatever it takes to make sure that those people are happy. But the common fan, who cares? Because they'll be there anyways. And I feel like that's been a real bad outlook and real bad look because it's not just like Arkansas. I think it's just places in general in college football because it is about money. This is also just a way to help out the common fan, to help out the guy who just tries to find some tickets on StubHub or whatever, the guy that's going there that hasn't been to a game before in his life, the the diehard the, the fans that sit out there in the cold, that sit out in the stands who have been season ticket holders for a long time. This gives an opportunity for those people to have some sort of extra enjoyment, some sort of enticement to be able to not only to go to games, but to stay at those games. And to enjoy the games a little bit.
0: You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Brought to you by the all new Natural Light Natterdays, the new beer of the summer with a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. Natterdays, fun for every occasion. They won't catch him. Alex Collins is going to take it all the way to the house.
2: Scott Tabor, former Razorback pitcher. Good morning, Scott. How are you doing?
1: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Beautiful day
2: today. Yeah, it certainly is. It's setting up for a beautiful weekend too, a Memorial Day weekend as well. And uh, you're just going to have me today, by the way. I, I, Tommy's on vacation. I, this is, I think, it's his fifth vacation of the year. And I, hey, man, I can't you, wait to get you, to that you level. You know,
1: exactly right. Well, I think uh, you know what you're in for a raise, and I think he's got a big surprise package for you when he comes back. It's, he's got you a condo already, and. Oh, crud, I hope I didn't let the cat out of the bag. Sorry, oh. Tommy.
2: <laughs> well, if you did, then I will act surprised. I will act surprised for you. <laughs> Please when, do that for if me. He does, if he comes in and <laughs> if he does that. But, uh, but Scott, there's a lot of things we want to get to. Obviously, the SEC tournament is still going on. Arkansas won game one against Ole Miss 5-3, to three, but then yesterday uh, it was a close one between the Bulldogs and the Hogs, but Arkansas loses it 3-1. to one late in the game there was a really clutch hit by georgia ended up sealing the deal and they take on ole miss again today at around three o'clock so just a few takeaways that you've had from arkansas's first two games in the sec tournament
1: well here's the thing today's a great day because we're one day closer to finishing this tournament and getting into the region Mm -hmm. what they're really doing right now everything right now is just window dressing trying to get set up and get their pitching set up and get their pitchers some work and, and their hitters hopefully uh, you know, we're not going on a hit parade right now because we're, we're facing some good pitching. We're facing as good a pitching in this tournament as we will face to the regionals, to the super regionals, and back in the College World Series. So you, you don't expect to have a ton of hits and great hitting against great pitching because everybody knows great pitching trumps great hitting. So, uh, you know, it's it's always a concern. You always want to be just tearing the cover off the ball when you go into tournament play and be hot and be the hot team and knock it all over the park. Uh, you know, yesterday was kind of a – I mean, it was a good game. It was a great game. It could have gone either way on several little plays. Uh, the You know, the base hit the double down the line. That wasn't exactly a screaming meanie. That was a gork off the end of the bat that had a lot of spin that hit exactly where it needed to hit and scored two runs. So that game could have gone – we could have hit the same thing. You know, a great pitch and just to put the bat on the ball and squeak it down the line. So that's, that's all that happened. That sometimes when you have two great teams playing uh, and they're playing good solid baseball – that's how the outcome is determined by something something that, that you can't control. So it's not like he, he placed that ball over and on the left field line.
2: Well, Scott, one of the things that, at least I thought, is after the five innings that Isaiah Campbell pitched, because you know, I knew that Dave Van Horn was going to limit him to around 80 pitches, he came in, had five scoreless innings, only allowed two right. hits. There was a few jams right. that he got in, but he found his way out of it. I thought he performed really well, but Isaiah Campbell was pretty harsh on himself after the game. He didn't feel like he played well at all. Well,
1: as pitchers, you tend to micromanage yourself because you, you know when you throw a pitch, it, it, it may be painting the inside black for a strike, but you were throwing it for the outside corner. And so, as a pitcher, you know that nobody else may know that. Uh, and, and Campbell's kind of—he is kind of hard on himself, which makes him makes him as good as he is. I mean, he's a he's a competitor, not just competing with with everybody else, but competing with himself. And you have to, if you're going to be great as a, as a pitcher, you've got to be kind of hard on yourself, and you want every pitch to be perfect. And, Knowing that it's not going to be, but you still strive towards that goal. Uh, You know, Campbell is what he is. I mean, he went out and and he threw good five good innings. This tournament is really like a series of midweek games. You know, they're not. You don't want to say they're not trying to win it. They're just not going to go everything out, all out, and Mm -hmm. and burn arms and do all they can just to win the game because that's not the end game right now. The end game is is getting out there, pitching in line, and getting some at bats and, and staying in a groove and. Uh, get to the
2: regionals we're speaking with scott Tabor, former razorback pitcher right now on the morning rush scott one of the concerning stats that i have seen is that arkansas in their two games in the sec tournament they're only batting 164 now i, I know that uh, it's just a two game so it's a very small sample size but should should fans maybe be a little concerned with the lack of hitting not only has arkansas gotten in this uh, sec tournament but even towards the end of the a&m series they were not hitting the ball well is this a little bit of a slump or are they just going up against great pitching
1: gets great pitching. I mean, look at the guys we're going. The guy yesterday was throwing ninety seven and ninety-eight miles an hour and with a breaking ball and with a changeup, getting them all over the plate. And we still battled. We still had chances to win the game. So it's not like the guy's just striking everybody out on three pitches. So so we're facing we're facing as good a pitching as we'll face the rest of the year, and you can't just go out and dominate great pitchers. I mean, just the reason that they're great pitchers is because they don't get hit. So you have to find a way to scrap. I, I would like to have seen a little more small ball yesterday, you know, when you're when you're facing somebody that's kinda of locked down, but I think uh, you know, I think if if Van Horn was really trying to just put the game away and get this done and get this done, would have played a little more small ball, but he kinda wants guys to get up and, and get in a rhythm and show some confidence and get some hits and uh you know, nobody likes to sacrifice mine. So I you know, the whole game was uh, was kinda played as as it should have been
2: played. Well, one of the things also that stood out to me, Scott, just in this tournament in general, is the amount of close games. Because I, listen, I know that this this conference is good, but if you're looking at it, there has only been really one blowout game, and that was Vanderbilt in Auburn, where Vanderbilt won eleven to one. The rest of the games, and get this, Scott, and I don't know if anyone knows this, but it, all the other games in this SEC tournament has been decided by two runs or less. I think I, I mean is that just showing how great and how much parity there is in this conference?
1: Sure it is. There's, there's a lot of great arms in this conference, uh, up and down the lineup. You know, depth of pitching is one of the things that will get you deep into a tournament. Now we're into day three, day four of the tournament. You're going to start seeing, I think you're going to start seeing some runs scored uh, as you get deeper into the starting starting rotation and deeper into your uh, into your bullpen. I think we'll see some young guys throw today, and it's not because they just don't have the arms. You know, they don't want to throw Ramage back out there and cost shot. They don't want to burn these guys and, and come into the regional with any kind of gimp. So, so I think you're going to see some young arms come in and put them out there and say, Hey, look, go do what you do. You know, and, and it could be a, a breakout time. You know, I think the biggest positive that I have seen in this whole tournament is Cronin.
0: Mm-hmm. When
1: Cronin came in the other night, he was, he was electric. And and the biggest thing that I saw, he actually threw two curveballs in a row. And it, and it, that will change That will change his whole game if he will get confidence and be able to roll a couple of curveballs up there, even if it's not for a strike, but I think he did put one for a strike. Uh, it just changes the eye level on for hitters. So now they see it come out of his hand. They're not already sitting on fastball. Now they may have to take that little hesitation to keep it from hitting them in the face and turn it down to the curveball. So it's, I think that's a game changer for him, and you can see it in his performance. Well, Scott, I've also
2: said too that today, when they take on Ole Miss, obviously it's a winner go home scenario. You know, again, we never want to say you want to lose the game, but I feel like just in the big picture, in the big grand scheme of things, if Arkansas loses today, I feel like it's it might be a better situation for them because not only do you play three games, you get all of your three starting pitchers a chance to go and to keep their arms warm and to keep them uh, still in their routine, and then right. it gives you those extra days where you don't have to burn any more of those pitchers. I
1: mean, would it be right.
2: better for Arkansas if they lost today?
1: You hate to say better, you know, you never like to, you never like to lose. Losing still leaves. I mean, you're, you're, these guys are, are kids and these guys are players and they're competitors and, and nobody likes to lose. And it doesn't matter if it's, if Nolan Ryan's throwing, you don't just go, yeah, well, no, we lost. And you, know, you try to find a way to win and, and championship teams do that. Uh, and they scrap against great teams and they scrap against great pitchers and they get a run here, get a run there. So if we do lose, it does You know, I think the only big, huge negative would be if we lost in a in a fashion of you know three or four errors and, and pitchers couldn't throw strikes and you know everybody doing negative things rather than just getting beat. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you just get beat. Last night we just got beat. Just got beat. Uh, there was a balk call at the end of the game that could have turned the game if the, if the umpires would have called it. You know, they don't. They're human. They don't. They don't catch everything. Uh, so so little things would determine a game like that and good close game, but I don't think it'd be the end of the world to lose. I don't think Van Horn's gonna go out there and, and throw the string catcher as starting pitcher and say, hey, just lob it up there and let him hit it and let's get out of here. You know, I think right. he's gonna he's gonna put some people out there. He's got good quality up and down the lineup. So even if he puts a freshman in his own ten innings, this guy's gonna be bringing some cheese. Maybe it'll be his breakout tie and all of a sudden he becomes the guy. <laughs> we still <laughs> got games to play. You know, you still got a regional, super regional world series to look forward to. If things fall into place.
2: Yeah, certainly that is the case. And Scott, I, I wanted to switch up a little bit uh, with you. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. I'm assuming you did. But the ending to that LSU and Auburn game yesterday, where you had a wild pitch where Auburn had the lead, they were up by one run. Runners were at second and third for LSU, and then a wild pitch leads to two runs. It was just one of the craziest endings to a game. Have you ever seen anything like that in a baseball game?
1: Well, I'll just have to tell you, I didn't see it. Oh, okay. One thing, it's LSU and i don't care yeah <laughs> it's like watching texas people go texas is playing i don't care was yeah. the like world championship playing the new york yankees but no i didn't i didn't see it and i apologize for that i wish i could chime in and go oh my god it's the best coolest play i've ever seen <laughs> did they, did they score two runs on one wild pitch or something yeah
2: it's essentially where uh the auburn pitcher hit uh, it, is the ball bounced on the plate and the catcher for auburn you know blocked it he got in front of it but then he lost it and it was right in front of him and so he's jumping around trying to find it. Well, he then he kicks the ball himself up the first base line, <laughs> and then the LSU runner comes home and scores. Well, the pitcher gets the ball and tries to throw it back to the catcher, but then it's an errant throw. It goes over close to the dugout, yeah. and then LSU scores the second guy, and they end up winning in a walk off fashion.
1: Well, that's you know that's LSU in the postseason. I'm they have stuff. You. They have more goofy stuff happen for them to advance in the postseason. And at the end of the day, you look at oh LSU beat Auburn, but you don't see how it happened. Yeah, you know. Yeah. At least nobody threw a possum on the field or yes. anything like that. So you just, you don't know what's going to happen with LSU. And that's just kind of their MO. They do it every year, and you go into the postseason going, What's going to happen with LSU this year? Yeah. <laughs> what funky thing is going to happen? Because they'll never come in recently. They don't come in, you know, dominating the baseball world like they did for several years. But they seem to get in and they find a way to win.
2: Yeah, certainly do. I mean, they play. Are they played in a seventeen inning game against Mississippi State that went until three right. thirty in the morning, and then they had the crazy <laughs> right. game of yesterday? I mean, yeah, it's just something about them. I guess sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And you know, uh, and
1: I think they're, I think their coach, I think their coach cultivates that. I mean, yeah. I think I really like him. His demeanor, you know, he doesn't panic, and he says, "Okay, let's just go play ball." You know, and then mm-hmm. you play ball, and you continue to play ball, and bring somebody in. That they don't do good, take some, take them out, put somebody in. You know, and it's just, it's just all, and that's that's kind of the attitude you have to have is is it just time to go play baseball. Uh, These kids have been playing baseball all their life, and now they're at the level they want to be, and and it's just time to go play.
2: I'm sure it's going to be fun to see how the rest of this tournament plays out. of course, in the regional going into next weekend. Scott Tabor, former Razorback pitcher, always appreciate you hopping on with us, Scott. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, man. We'll catch up with you. Thank you, brother.
0: You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, the new beer of the summer.
2: We've been having some really good discussions this morning and uh, mainly pertaining to the, uh, the fact that the SEC will be meeting in the SEC meetings next week in Destin, Florida. And one of the biggest topics, if not the biggest topics, will be lifting the ban of alcohol sales in SEC football stadiums that will be able to open up not only more revenue for selective schools, but also the attendance numbers have been dwindling each and every season. And I wanted to bring this back up because somebody tweeted at me, which I agree. They say that, this is coming from Kyle on Twitter, he says, attendance is not is lacking due to tickets being priced out of reach of the average family. When you have donations and ticket fees, booze isn't the reason the attendance is down. Now, let, let me be clear about this, Kyle. I don't think that booze and selling booze in SEC stadiums or selling booze at Razorback Stadium is just suddenly going to make Razorback Stadium go from averaging... 60,000 people to 75,000 people overnight just by opening up the doors of selling alcohol. I don't think that's the case. There is like a list you have to go down as far as priorities and the list of priorities of what will get people back into the stands or, and you can use this generally, you can say this about any SEC school or any school in general. There's a certain priority list that you can go down that will get people into the stands. Number one, winning winning. Ty, how many national championship caliber teams have you seen with a half empty stadium? Have you seen any of those? Very few, if actually none. Yeah. And even if they didn't have full stadiums, it was usually in games where the weather was either awful or they were going to beat their opponent so bad because of some directional school that they didn't care that much.
3: You remember Nick Saban's rant last year, and I forget the opponent that Alabama faced, but he ripped into the student section for leaving early and said that wasn't fair to his student-athletes, the fact that they show up, they put that effort in, and the students left. And there's certain games, obviously, you're going to win by 60, and there's no point of sticking around, regardless of how the coaches or players feel about you leaving. That being said, if it's a good ball game, whatever sporting event it's going to be basketball football baseball if if it's a championship level team that place is going to be sold out yeah
2: and that's why i say that the number one priority in getting people into the stands is winning number two winning it's number one it's number two winning will get people into the stands it's as simple as that some of arkansas's biggest and best attended football games was it usually when arkansas was a six and six team no it was usually when Arkansas not only was a good team, but had a, light, a lot of hype going into that particular game. The highest attended game in Razorback Stadium history was in 2010 against Alabama. Was that game really well attended because, hey, they just wanted to see a good game? No, it was well attended because Arkansas was number 10 in the country, Alabama was number one in the country, and they were the defending national champions. And we remember what the atmosphere was like. That's the most the highest attended game in Razorback football history because of that fact. If you even look at all the other games, in basketball, for instance, the highest attended game in Razorback basketball history of Bud Walton Arena was a Kentucky game, all right, in the 90s. Why was it attended well? Was it just, oh, well, you know, hey, what are we doing today? Well, the, the, the Razorbacks are playing. We could find a way to go over there. No, it's because your team was good, their team was good, you were good. It's as simple as that. If you have a successful program, and not, we don't even need to discuss baseball because we know attendance looks like there because they're a great program, if you're winning, attendance comes hand in hand. And I'm not denying that fact. I know that. Beer and booze is not number one. However, if the winning is not there completely, which it's not right now for Arkansas football, the winning percentage is not there. This is where the University of Arkansas and those people that work up there, whether it's the marketing department or in the administration, this is where they need to find ways to get people Into the door. They need to be creative because it's like, hey, we can't, at least from their perspective, we can't dictate what goes on on the field. Our job is to just create a great experience for everybody. So, what do you do? You find things that fans like, that fans enjoy, that fans want to have at games. And when you find those things and find out what they want, you try to instill them. For instance, If you could find a way to have, like, Ty, I mean, you grew up in this generation as well. If you could find a way to have Razorback Football Stadium have really, really good Wi-Fi for everybody there at the stadium, which I know that they've struggled to do. But if you could have that, how big of a factor would that play into a lot of people's enjoyment or at least people's interest in the game itself and being there in the stadium?
3: I think for a lot of our generation, now John and I wouldn't be as concerned with social media at the time when we we're watching the game, because that's what our minds would be focused on. But for some of the people who are there for just a social event or to be seen, I think that would be a big deal. Yeah. And then that would be a posting huge pictures. Help. Yeah. yeah. Posting.
2: posting pictures, putting out tweets, checking scores to games, all of that fun stuff. That would be a big factor. It's kind of the same thing I know that we've discussed here on the show, but, and I don't know the legality of all of it, but imagine if you were able to show highlights or show other games going on in SEC play during commercial breaks or during between quarters or during halftime or something like that, where you had a game up on the Jumbotrons from other teams or other highlights. They
3: can't do that, John. They got too many sponsors. They got to squeeze in those. And
2: there lies the issue. You got to have. It's time to meet a Razorback or whatever, and it, it's just sponsored it, by yeah, sponsored by. At least they're not doing the stupid hog walk anymore. Good grief, that was brutal. Okay, but, but they, I get it. They have sponsorships, but they need to find okay, so find other ways to generate that revenue that still keeps the fans engaged because fans don't want to see that.
3: Two things: Andy Staples of Sports Illustrated wrote a fan, and I think it's him. He wrote a fantastic article concerning what Texas did. And I know fans when they hear the word Texas. They're like, no, we can't do that. We can't be a part of that. That used to be called, DK Royal Stadium, or Royal Stadium, whatever it's called, used to be known as the quietest 100,000 people you'll ever play in front mm-hmm. of because the atmosphere was horrendous. Yep. But they added live music outside the stadium. They also added beer. There's a number of different themes, a number of different elements that Texas added to make the game day atmosphere more enjoyable. And I'm not saying that's going to have Texas back, as we hear so many yeah. times. Joe Tess said that after... Or excuse me, during the Notre Dame game, but it's definitely helping. And I think our, our buddy Jeff Cliff, who's sales uh, staff on here, he said it, he he sent me a couple of things concerning the beer sales. It's going to be limited Miller, Miller Coors, which he's right because that's the official beer of the Rays-Backs is Coors Light. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's going to be expensive. They're going to you're going to make you charge a little bit, maybe not to the pro level. It'll but probably be eight nine dollars yeah, probably. And so that'll prohibit some from getting ten mm-hmm. when they don't want to spend. 100 bucks on beer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The lines are going to be long. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're going to make a lot of accessible points. They're probably going to limit it. They're not going to sell it at every concession stand. They're going to limit be it to particular ones. Yep. And the last one he said, I mean, if you want to get drunk, you can get drunk. You'll find a way. You can find <laughs> a way. So for those out here who are saying, "Well, this is going to allow everyone now to get drunk." Let me tell you something. You know how easy it is to chug a four loco or a fifth of something before you walk into the stadium. And again, that's it's asinine. That's stupid. But it's not like if people want to get drunk, they can sneak in stuff. They can find a way. So good points from Clifty. But I, I, again, that goes back to our original point. That's just one of the elements that would help not yeah. hinder people going to games. Yeah. And see, and that's
2: what it's about. It's about helping them and not hindering them. And when you do these simple things, these simple little adjustments that'll make it more enjoyable, because listen, folks, this isn't the 60s anymore, okay? The games are on TV. You got to find a way to compete against that. And you can't do it by just having the, the old same old same old every single game and every single season and expecting people to go along with it. Times change. People's attention spans change. So you got to find ways to be creative and getting people into the stands. And, you know, when it comes to, like, alcohol sales is another thing. You mentioned live music, Ty. I have always felt like if you could have either halftime performances or pregame performances from some sort of concert, some sort of live music. Halftime's for the band, but I'm with you on pregame. Yeah, but just, or something like that. Or if it's an early game, have a postgame something. Like, have a concert, because people love live music. People love concerts. And it doesn't have to involve the game or anything like that. It's not going to impact the game. And that's another thing, too, folks. These things don't have to impact the game. They can. They just have to impact the game day atmosphere. Nothing is going to take away the attention from the game. The attention's still going to be there. People still want to see the Razorbacks play football. But if you're able to add in other elements too, because let's be honest too about, say, live music. What if your wife has zero interest, no interest in watching a Razorback football game? However, she does love some live music. Yeah. Boom. There's another person that you can bring that can enjoy the game day atmosphere at any point in time with it.
3: And I know Justin Moore was joking about playing at Bomb Stadium before a postseason game. Just that that aspect. People jumped on board with that. They're like, let's go. Like, come mm-hmm. down here. Come to Fayetteville, Justin. I mean, you think about some of the the different Arkansas musicians and I mean Barrett Baber, Justin Moore, and there's others, but Arkansas's got a decent number. Not 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 comparatively like Tennessee, Nashville right. you know, and some others, but I mean there's a decent number of connections this state has that you could either pay or convince someone to come back home and say, hey, why don't you why don't you play two hours before the game? Why don't you, why don't we get some people in before? The other thing I think about is that I could be wrong on this. Arkansas could have another dreadful season. I don't think they're gonna be incredible this year, and I think most people believe that, but I don't think you're gonna have as many 11 a.m. kickoffs as you had last year, and that will definitely help. Even though you only have two SEC games, that will definitely help out with the game day atmosphere.
2: Yep, and when it comes along with it, and again, success in winning is number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. It it is priority, priority after priority. We understand that. But when the winning's not there, you got to find a way. And I think the U of A has done some good things, and they're going to continue to try new things. And the SEC, if they're able to pass this alcohol ban from no longer being in play... Things are going to change. Things are going to end up being a lot different for Razorback games, that's for sure.
1: Your number one source of local news and information you need.
2: Like the Bud Light Morning
0: Rush Podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at HitThatLine.com.